Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everyone. My guest today is the wonderful and inspiring Minka Kelly, who you know from Friday Night Lights, Titans, Euphoria, 500 Days of Summer, and a lot more. I just read her memoir, Tell Me Everything, which describes a life most of us can't imagine while still being relatable in so many ways. I can't recommend it enough. Now here's Minka. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Minka, I finished your book yesterday. I couldn't put it down. I am really honored that you are here with me doing this podcast. The reason why I feel kind of at a loss for words is because your memoir is so astonishing. You've lived a journey, and it's incredibly brave, incredibly honest, Will you tell us kind of in your own words? I don't know if you've like perfected the publicity summation. <laughs> no. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm such a big fan of yours. You're one of the first to do this. And I've been a fan of yours since the very beginning. I've been listening to you. And thank you for taking the time to read a book. That's a lot to ask and that's a lot of time. And a lot of people don't. And so it really means a lot to me. And thank you for responding to it so lovingly. I can see. Oh, my God. Thank you. Yeah. You're the second time I'm talking about this. And it's funny, before we got on, I'm like walking around the house, like doing my little mantras and breathing. <laughs> and all I know is this thing I keep coming back to is this Brene Brown when she says that when we share a story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding— Shame can't live. And that has sort of been the underbelly of my starting to feel more and more comfortable with sharing my story because there has been so much shame for so long. And I think that when we have lived these lives and we've healed a lot of these wounds, it is incumbent upon us to share so that other people can be invited to also enter this space of healing. And it's been other women who shared with me their most humiliating or embarrassing moments in their lives and me seeing them thrive. That's given me inspiration to step into that space too. And so I didn't intend for it to be this way or to be this kind of book or to take you on this journey of healing with me. I didn't intend it to be that way. It just sort of turned into that. And it's just a byproduct of going through the healing journey as I was writing by some sort of kismet divine chance. And so I really was just trying to translate it from a screenplay to book form. But I was in the process of a lot of deep work at the same time. So it just sort of all turned into that. 
I mean, really, you walk us through an incredible journey. My takeaway was how fucking strong you are Um. being bullied, fighting. So for our listeners, it is a book that opens with a peep show. You're doing your first, I don't even know how to, performance in Albuquerque. And then we travel back in time to when you're quite young and your very complicated relationship with your mother. And she was an adult performer. Is that how you would describe it? She was a stripper. And loved you. Maybe didn't know how to do that very well, which you go into. Mm -hmm. As I finished the book, though, I was wondering, are you ready? Are you ready for the reception that you'll receive? You write a little bit about how fans perceive you. And are you ready for this whole other journey (laughs) when people will come up to you and be like, holy shit, I do feel like it's going to be a tidal wave for you. Mm. What do you think about that idea? If it is a tidal wave of connection and, oh my God, me too, I relate to that. That was the point of it. It's the point of letting it out because I want to be connected. Women have saved my life. And men too along the way, I guess in some ways they've taught me a lot. So this isn't just for women, but this is just for people. My experience, I don't think, while unique in some ways, is not unique in a lot of ways. And so I always say how like vulnerability begets connection. And I really respond to truth tellers and truth seekers. And that's just where I want to live. And it's where I feel the most free. And I find that the more I share that sort of space of truth and sharing with other people, I feel my best. And I'm able to release a lot of the shame every time, bit by bit. So I'm ready for that. I'm ready to hear other women's stories because that's how we heal, right? When you hear a story and you're like, oh my God, me too. My experience is like yours in this way. We get excited because there's so much comfort in company and that has been offered to me. And so my duty, I guess, is to offer that back and to pay that forward. What I thought I was ready for was all of that might come with how different levels of consciousness may receive some of this which some might go, wow, you were in a peep show and judge me the way I remember being judged. But I've gotten past that. And that's okay if that's where you're at and how you want to perceive those parts of my story. But then, you know, there's been a little bit of internet right now where people are taking some of the excerpts out of context and reducing it to a sentence. And you're just like, "Mm, that's not what this book's about. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Minka. I'm so sorry. You know, I understand what it's like to be on your end a bit. Of course you do. I mean, not your journey, but I do understand, I don't know, the lame agenda that can be more painful than I think people realize, (laughs) for sure. I think this is truly so brave and I believe will be so beneficial to so many people that it will be that majority that hears you. I do want people to know that you have a jarring story to tell. You know, you've lived a lot. I guess when we started this conversation, too, one of the first things you mentioned was the idea of shame, Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have ever described, I guess, that emotion from what I read 
I read Courage. Thank you. I had to get past the shame to be able to write about it. And that was what I think made me excited to start writing it down was the relief of being free from the shame because of how much work I did to heal so many parts of my past. You know, writing it also was a huge part of healing it all simultaneously. It was looking at these moments and you are writing intimately about and unpacking a lot of really painful and tangled up parts of your childhood and relationship with your mother and When you do that, it has a way of healing those things. And then you get to talk about them when you unpack them and you go to your therapist. You're like, ah, this moment. Like, yes, let's talk about that. Let's feel that. Let's get past that. And then you have the courage to write about it because you're not a victim. You're in a space of exploration. You're like, wow, this is fascinating. You're just looking at it as it's not me. It's outside of me now. And it's something that I can study and learn about and grieve, of course. And I can't really know what I'm in for or what the thing you're describing might be like. It sounds like a lot, but it also sounds really exciting to think that I might have an effect on maybe even one person to feel like they can start talking about their life too and not feel like they have to suppress any sort of pain or shame or hurt that they've experienced and I think we have a sort of endemic in the world of people not healing their inner child. And I remember thinking inner child, that's so silly. And it just took for me so many different types of therapy until one day finally I went, oh, got it, that thing. And now I have to protect that little girl. And so if I can invite one person to embark on that journey, then it's worth it. You write about growing up broke essentially without a lot of stability, living in motels or someone's garage, moving schools, having a shifting group of friends that was in Los Angeles, and then moving to Albuquerque, where you were totally bullied and learned how to fight, and having these high walls of defense, Mm -hmm. like learning how to love and how to accept love, has been part of your incredible life. For the first time in my life, I've had an estrangement with my mom. And and it's been recent. And as your mom is going through her illness, I really started to reflect on my own relationship with my mom. I know, it's so hard. (laughs) It is. I don't know how, you know, my mom grew up really poor, beautiful, and scrappy. And she raised me that way. I was always to make my own money. Although my mom viewed a sense of sexuality, I guess the worst thing it always felt like I could do was lose my virginity, even though we were not a religious family. She thought that if I lost my virginity, I would lose all my value. And, you know, that was painful. I felt like I was a highly sexual person. (laughs) And I wanted to experience that. Truly, reading your book made me think about how life is short. (laughs) Do I extend the olive branch even when I feel kind of hurt? And I think you were really strong. I know that there's a moment that you regret about Thanksgiving when your mom is is towards the end of her life. (laughs) I don't know if it's possible to be human and to not have those pangs of regret. I agree. 
And I also think that being said, we can do our best to avoid regret if it's possible. So maybe this is an invitation. I mean, for me, I wasn't exposed to the opportunity of seeing my mom through not her child's eyes, but just another person's eyes and seeing where she might have been hurt where she might have been neglected or taught these things. You know, your mom, for some reason, really truly believes that she's protecting you Mm -hmm. by telling you not to let go of your virginity. She believes that. Mm -hmm. And we know that that might not be what we believe, but we can have compassion for whatever was instilled in her to want to protect her baby in a way that she's not aware might be hurting you. But we extend grace to those we love. Grace is not given to you because you deserve it. That's why it's called grace. She might not deserve it. And it might not be for her, but it's for you so that you don't end up like me. And then 10 years after she's gone, you go, oh, I see the human in her. I'm so sorry I held it against you because I insisted that you be the mom I want and you be the mom I need and you be the mom someone else had. You know, I do believe, even though their best is not usually good enough, it was their best. And if you can get to that place of forgiveness and grace for your parents before they die, you can alleviate at least that area of regret that you may have to experience in this life. Did you feel envious that you didn't have siblings? In terms of that identity, how did that go? I always wished for siblings. I still do. I still wish to know someone my whole life that I could talk about it with. You know, that's why I really try to hold on to people for as long as possible, which has gotten me in trouble (laughs) because I had to learn the hard way when the right time is to let go of someone and keeping someone in your life just for sake of history doesn't always mean it's right. You know, and I cherish the fact the longest friendship I have is Angel, who I went to high school with. I'm still in touch with her. Thank goodness. You know, I love that she knew me then. You know, sometimes when I hear my story back, I'm like, woof. Or when people replay it back, they're like, that was hard. And you're like, I guess. Yeah. God. And sometimes you're like, did I make it up? And like, am I lying? No, that happened. And so I love having Angel reflect back to me, go, no, it was this. I saw this. I was there for this. And in writing it, I went to her a lot and asked her to retell me her memories. And verbatim, we had the exact same memories. And she had, you know, her observations and experiences of my mom and my dad who raised me. And it's helpful to have that. So I do wish I had a sibling to help in those ways. Because we block out, I have so little memory of my childhood. And so now I just make all my girlfriends my sisters. You know, I get so close and I cherish my friendships in a way that sometimes when they love me in a way, I'm like, oh, this must be what it like to have a sister. (laughs) Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You write about... I found myself getting really angry. Mm. I found myself getting really angry about the fucking sex tape. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and it makes me feel like, God, there has to be retribution. Yeah. The fact that you had to pay. I know. Uh, I know. Do you mind talking about that story? Will you tell us that story? I was 16 and 17 living with my boyfriend at the time who was 22. So that right there was problematic. But also generous of him to allow me to live with them. It was his dad's choice. I didn't have anywhere else to go. My parents were leaving and I wanted to stay. And I probably shouldn't have been making that choice for myself at that age. But, you know, the situation's probably pretty bad when my dad, who's raising me, agreed that that was the better choice than to go with them wherever they were going. Forgive me, they were going to Boston. Yeah. You wanted to stay in Albuquerque to finish high school. Yeah. And the craziest part about that was I wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend for whatever reason. There were certain ways that my parents wanted to show that they were parenting. And I guess I wasn't allowed to have a boyfriend. But this day that I told my dad that I had a boyfriend and that I could live with him and his dad and his brother, my dad said, yeah, that's a great idea. Not who is he? I'd like to meet him. Where do they live? How do they live? It was just like, yeah, I'll talk to your mom. <laughs> and I think my boyfriend also resented that. You know, it was like, I don't want this girl living here, but here she is. And That's really generous of you to say. Thanks. <laughs> It feels better to me to try to see the human in everyone, even the ones that hurt us the most. I don't think anyone chooses to be bad or to hurt people. I think it's very true that hurt people and unhealed people hurt people. And I also think we were very young and he was very young. Um, and he was wanting to explore sex in ways that I wasn't really ready for and was introducing me to a lot of things like wanting to have a threesome with my friend or taking pictures of us having sex. And once that became not possible, because you can't print those at Walgreens, <laughs> he got a camcorder and thought, let's record it. And um, I wasn't in a place where I felt confident saying no to him at that age, because he was my caretaker, essentially. And it was just a continuation of me being hyper aware of managing other people's temper. And I knew saying no to him would only upset him. And so I just always did everything I could, the path of least resistance and make everyone else happy at the expense of my comfort. So then um, after I come to LA and I start becoming an actress, I reach out to him and I ask him if he's destroyed all those things. And he guaranteed me, of course, I'm married now and I have kids. I don't need that stuff in my house. And also, I just want to say I'm sorry, Minka, for all that. And he started apologizing to me for the way he treated me. And I just wanted to, again, make him happy and accept his apology and tell him it's okay. And all I care about is that these things are gone. For some reason, I just knew that it was important for some reason someday that these things didn't exist in the world. 
And then maybe 10 years later. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize that was the time. It was a long time. Yeah. Oh, man. I think I made this call to him before even Friday Night Lights. Okay. So now this is probably, okay, maybe seven years later, something like that. My publicist called and said, Mink, are you sitting down? And I was like, oh, my God, that's so silly. And she said, is there any chance there's a sex tape of you in the world? And I went, oh, there's a chance, yeah. And she said, okay, so whoever you made that with is shopping it right now. And uh, I don't even know how to describe that feeling, that level of potential worldwide humiliation of your most vulnerable, scary, I don't even, what, what, how do you describe that time of something like that happening? You just, anyway, I was with two of my best friends at the time and my publicist said, I want you to get out of town for the weekend because I was living in a place where sometimes people would hang outside. You know how that is. So she was like, you know, people are going to want to talk about this. And so my two girlfriends, we picked up that day and went to Santa Barbara for a long weekend at a friend of my friend's house. Oh, God, I can only imagine, like, the anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then um, she got one of the biggest entertainment lawyers on the case. And and I remember him saying to me, all right, Mika, so I just want to let you know we release this. You could make a lot of money. And I got so offended and angry that I ended the call. And I called my publicist back and I said, he's the wrong person. How dare he? (laughs) And she calmed me down and was like, Minka, he's just doing his job. There are some people that would take that offer. He doesn't know you and it's not personal. He's doing his job. Okay, great. So still, it's still, yeah, like, you know, and he doesn't know that that's yeah. my most painful right. experience. You know, right. people hear sex tape and you think, oh, I was having fun. And this was something I was doing for fun and I was enjoying it. Not knowing that the entire experience is me leaving my body and giving it up for someone else's pleasure. And that something was like you thought had been settled. Yes, yes. And for then that amount of time yeah. to go by and then to hear that he's fucking shopping it yeah, for a high bid after the lying reassurance. Mm-hmm. And the apology of how I might have hurt you. <laughs> right. Woof. So, you know, then... Um, the lawyer had to threaten all the outlets that were attempting to purchase this thing with you would be participating in child porn and we will come for you. And so that helped. And then I just had to pay him $50,000 to get that back and keep him from ever trying to do it again. <laughs> I feel like I sort of pulled the thread of one of many hardships in your life. I don't want to press you too hard. You can't. No, don't worry. Well, I'm just really grateful that you also write about your, like, medical journeys. I really kind of want to hug you before I kind of venture into that territory because I know you're probably going to get asked a lot about this stuff. I just want to thank you for that. There were so many things that I admire about you. You know, being a scrub nurse and being kind of fascinated by the body 
it made me think that you're fearless, mm-hmm. quite frankly. It made me feel like you would be the first one to be like, yeah, let's go bridge jumping, <laughs> like skydiving. Or like you would be the first one to be like, yep, yep, I'm going to do this. I've skydived twice. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet you were the first one out of the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the gift of my mom, right? That's one of the gifts of having such a scrappy mom as a survivor. And she made me scrappy and made me survive. She was also fearless. She was so tough. Nothing scared her. And she rode a motorcycle and she got multiple motorcycle accidents and got right back on it. And yes, a lot of times were hard, but also it made me resilient. It made me fearless. It made me spontaneous. It made me really appreciate the smallest things and find joy in the smallest things and love deeply. So there's a lot of silver lining in I guess, trauma, you know, when we can turn it into our superpower. You wrote a really eloquent sentence that I related to, to a degree, which was that a lot of like public perception, I wish I could remember it exactly, of who you are has been in the framework of a relationship with somebody famous. (laughs) And I can relate to that idea. Yeah. And how I very much felt, you know, like the wife that was getting older, (laughs) which felt foreign to me. I didn't care for that. I always kind of felt pretty solid in my own identity, but it was the first time I felt like the purse holder on the red carpet, (laughs) you know, the person who's coming to set to visit. And I appreciated how you framed that. It was an eloquent way to put how I think the industry and the public can frame us as actresses. And I personally had a hard time with that. I bet you did. Yeah. I felt like when I got Scary Movie and started to like make a living in Hollywood, that it made me feel powerful on my own. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I feel a little too old to be hung up on that at all. <laughs> but at the time, it felt... You know, devalued. Yeah, not badly. Mm-hmm. Because I still had enough pride to be like, I know I can land on my feet. Mm-hmm. But it was beautifully eloquent way you phrased that, and how we deal with that perception, how much we internalize it, and how much we can deflect it. It's funny. It's like I think I'm so strong and I'm so bulletproof. And then I see someone, you know, reduce my entire worth being about who I've dated. And they're like, oh, you know, and I'm so sort of excited about this new generation, you know, thinking that we're on our way out of the idea of reducing women to the men that they date and what they might look like and embracing a woman in her 40s and seeing the power and the beauty of that and I'm so excited to finally be in a place where I know what boundaries are (laughs) and I can say no to things without apology. And I have friends who are in their 20s who are so far ahead, who are learning these things now that I'm learning in my 40s. And I'm just so proud of these young women who are like, you put up with what? And you're like, yeah, I just, I don't know. That's <laughs> Oh, Minka, your book is progressive in its honesty. And you will have so many champions, as you already do, because it's a story of courage. 
And I really love also how you speak about your returning to education. And I loved how you spoke about the refuge in the Beverly Hills Library. Yes. Oh, will you talk a little bit about this? Sure. It's funny. Even today when I drive by Beverly Hills Library, I go, oh, I just think of that time. I was so proud of myself because I was showing myself how much I do love education. You know, I went to school at a place and a time where it wasn't cool to prioritize education and being smart. Being the smart one in the class, you got made fun of. And I always admired the ones in class who didn't care that they were being made fun of and did their studies. I remember looking at some of the kids who were the nerds and were smart and not trying to fit in with the cool kids. And I didn't have that confidence. I wanted desperately to fit in and I wanted to be liked. So by the time I was an adult and was going to school to be a scrub nurse, was my opportunity to redo that and to commit fully to this schooling. You know, I got another chance. And I mean, I got straight A's. I had plaques at the school with my name on them. (laughs) And I just spent my entire weekend studying in the library. It was my happiest time. I loved loving myself for the first time ever. Like, oh, you're smart. You can learn stuff. You're okay. And it is a huge part of any sort of confidence I might have is knowing that I did that. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello, Minka. Hello, Ada. It's so nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. Brady, it's so nice to meet you too. And thank you so much for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? Okay, I'm going to tell you all about the drama. So essentially what happened was, this was maybe in June 2022. I was going to take a trip and it got canceled because a friend of mine passed away. But beforehand, I had started talking to this dude on a dating app. And, you know, we kind of kept in contact. In different cities, right? In different cities. Okay. Well, different countries, technically. But essentially what happened was, whatever, my trip came and whatever, I met this dude. And I kind of just thought, you know, it was going to be just kind of like a hookup. But then it became like this really nice, like, fling. We spent all of our time together. Wait, how long? So this was like over like a week. Okay. And it's like sparks are flying. It was like sparks are flying immediately. Like as soon as like he picked me up, he was like, you look even better than the photos. You are so amazing. You are beautiful. And we just had like such an amazing first date. And then from there, it was just like every single day, it got more intense, more intense. So cut to, I go back home and he FaceTimed me all the time. We became really close. I even became friends with his brother on Instagram. 
But then there's the kicker. Then there's the kicker. So at the time, we were in open relationships, but they were kind of like at the end of it. So like my partner had some like substance abuse problems. And then his partner was in a triad with two other people. So what essentially happened was during our kind of like weird situationship thing where we like each other, but we're not sure. Both of us kind of like unbeknownst to each other, like had ended things with one another and yeah, so that's kind of like what happened with the relationship. Wait, Brady, would you mind if we named him? Okay, let's mm-hmm. name him Jack. Okay, so you were ending your relationship with your person. Yeah. Jack was ending his relationship with his... Yeah, and yeah, it was just like a crazy time in both of our lives. So essentially, we had kind of like made plans. He was like, I really want you to come visit. I like really want to see you again. And then whatever, it just like didn't work through timing. And there was kind of like a point where Jack's other person like found out about me and kind of got jealous. And then basically that kind of led to that guy kind of being like, I will do what you need. Like, I want you back kind of a thing. And you're finding this info out through Jack. Yeah. Okay. See, this is a clue. Yeah. Okay, go on. So that was the thing. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then he kind of was like, yeah, I want to be with him, but blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. And then after that, that was kind of when we started to get less close and he started to become distant. But at the same time, he would still kind of be like flirtatious. Like a lot of the times how we would communicate is we send each other like beautiful photos of ourselves. And he would still be doing that, but he would also still kind of like also be telling me about like other dudes he hooked up with, which I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. So it was kind of like this weird, hot and cold thing that was happening Mm -hmm. with him. And it was kind of like making me crazy. So it just got Mm -hmm. to the point where I was like, I need to know what's happening. Like, so I asked to have like a FaceTime with him. This is like around Christmas. And I'm like, hey, I know that you're like going to be moved because he was moving his apartment or whatever at this time or the next month. And I was like, hey, like, I'm going to be working on a project which won't allow me to leave my city for a long period of time. So I want to see you again. But I know feelings change. Like, I want to see where you are. And then he was just like, uh... Um, like I'm going to be moving. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can get like an Airbnb. That's fine. But then he was like, he was like, yeah, things are shifting with my ex. And I don't see us as ever being more than friends. And I was like, what? Okay. Crazy. Sad. Heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I understand. And he was like, but are we still friends? And I was just like, I don't think we were ever friends, but I'm open to that. But I kind of need a break from you. I very much need a break from you. So whatever, you know, we took our space. Like I kind of blocked him on social media because I was just like, I don't want to see your profile, whatever. But as kind of like a gesture of goodwill, I sent him like a care package of like things from like my country, just being like, hey, like I want to keep the door open between us, but like I'm taking a break from you. And then he got it and I didn't hear anything. So then I was like, hey, like, did you get this? And he was like, yeah, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, let me know what you think. And then he didn't respond. Like I saw on his text that he left me on red. And then I thought it was like, okay, that's the end of it. Then two weeks later, he responds and he was like, he responded in a way that we usually flirt, which is like sending a cute photo of himself. And then being like, thanks so much for everything. Really appreciate it. And then I was just like, I don't know what this means. This is really weird. This is a weird move. So I just like did not respond. And I was just like, I'm not going to respond right now. I'm going to take my time. And I kind of just have left it be. I still kind of talk to his brother sometimes. But essentially everything was like that. And then recently, this happened like a week ago. I unblocked him on Instagram just because I was like... Because you miss him. Yeah, I missed him. But it was also like, I went to Lurk. Yeah. But then um, I saw that his profile was private. So I was like, okay, you know what? I won't be able to access it. So I'll just unblock him. And then literally like the day after, I 
saw that he had started watching my stories and then he followed me again. And then I was like, that's really weird. No messages, no anything. But I was just like, that's a weird move. I guess my question is just like, is it even worth communicating to this person? Because I guess my plan was kind of just be like, when I'm in his city again, being like, hey, this is how you made me feel. Like, if you want to be friends, like, we need to deal with this. Or should I just let it be? Minka, what are your thoughts? The first thing that comes to mind for me, I personally have acquired an allergic reaction to hot, cold, push-pull dynamics. Yes. And now have a very strong boundary. And non-negotiable. When I'm confused, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah. It takes time. And I don't expect you to all of a sudden go, that's my non-negotiable. But what I would wish for you is to aim towards the amount of self-love that comes with, "Mm, this doesn't feel good for me. I'm not going to engage anymore. Yeah. What I had to learn was I was participating in this dynamic that was hurting me. So I was hurting me. It's not that they're a villain because we're participating in this dynamic of push-pull, hot-cold. It's games. It's what can I do to get their attention to make me feel good again. It's a drug. Yeah. And for me, when I would get to a place where I don't need to activate that thing, or I don't need to touch that bruise, or I don't need to get his attention to validate me, I was able to disengage from the situationship dynamic of confusion and hot, cold, and push-pull. Because the amount of brain space and time in my life it would take up of going, Should I, what did this mean? Oh, he watched my story. Okay, so maybe he's interested, but maybe he's really not. Because I also would get really caught up in the fantasy of things that I would create in my mind, what it would mean if he watched my story. When in fact, it could be just the same as when you're watching stories, you're just going through. doesn't mean anything when you watch that. But when we want it to mean something, we can romanticize so easily. And that's when we get in trouble, when I would get in trouble. Because I would get so angry when eventually I would be faced with the reality of, oh, it isn't what I wanted it to be. I was creating a fantasy for myself. Because the truth is, the data that they're giving me, which is, they're really not that interested. Mm -hmm. And that's such a hard thing to accept. And I just think that when someone's giving you the bare minimum Mm -hmm. and not choosing you, is an invitation for you to choose yourself and release feeling like you need to get that person to understand you or see you or love you the way that you deserve to be loved. Wow. That was some good advice. Damn. I never thought about it like that. I completely agree with Minka. Nothing about him is adding up. Yeah. Yeah. There's too much shift and you can't even really pin him down for the truth. Yeah. I don't understand his deal. I don't understand why he made you feel so loved. And then not giving you any sense of security. What's your age difference? Do you mind my asking? He is 26 and I just turned 30. So I was just like, I've never dated anybody younger than me before. Usually I date people that are older than me. So like that was the whole thing. And I was just kind of like, oh, I need to give him kind of a break because he's like younger or whatever. But I think of myself at 26. I don't think I would act like that towards somebody. But people are different. I was going to ask you, okay, so... What does he do for a living? But I'm not even sure how much I trust his story. Yeah. How much do you trust his story? He was pretty direct and that would add up, but then his actions would not add up. So the thing is, I trust what he says, but I don't trust his actions. Right. 
When was the last time you were in love? Um, I guess that would kind of be my last relationship. And I guess this is like really the first person I've had any feelings towards since then. Yeah, and I think yeah, it was kind of yeah. like why this all happened. It was just kind of like a perfect storm of things where it was kind of like, I guess I was getting from him what I hadn't gotten in my relationship for so long. And I guess it was kind of like, yeah, I remember calling my then boyfriend, you should be here with me. And he was drunk or whatever. So I was just like, I can't even like communicate with you. So then to go from that to then kind of having this person who was just like, you're so amazing. Like, I want to sleep over. I want to see you. I want to like go dancing with you. I want to have like this fun time. So I think there's definitely like that aspect of it. But it was like really weird because at the same time, it's like I've never had such an instantaneous connection with somebody, but who knows? Well, I feel like I've lived this story. Me too. Many times. Like kind of healing one relationship, falling hard uh-huh. in another one, romanticizing. I don't like Jack for you, Brady. Not even as a friend. Nah, I agree. I can see that. I feel like it's always easy for me to be like, I don't like this, whatever. Because I always have my callers' backs. Always. Yeah. But I also understand that if I was given this advice, I would be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. okay, all right, cool. And then as soon as the call yeah. is over, I'd be like, <laughs> no, hi. I was like, I don't want to do anything until I hear what Anna has to say. So that's why I was like, I'm not doing anything. But I think this was kind of like the universe being like, go away, run away, don't do it. We're all like longing for connection. Yeah. You're at a time in life, especially like... The 20s are like chaotic narcissism. Yeah. (laughs) The 30s, it's like, oh, fuck, I got to figure shit out. Yeah. And the 40s are like, well, I'm numb now, so (laughs) who cares? (laughs) (sighs) So I just want you to know like that idea that you're not crazy. Yeah. And it was an intense, beautiful time. I just don't think he adds up. Yeah, there was so many other things too, were like red flags that I've noticed. Like, so like I'm an artist and on our first date or whatever, he was kind of like, oh, like, so you do that. Like, oh, I hope it's good. Like things like that. Oh, that's weird. Which has happened a lot, like around the board, even like random people I meet on the street that happens to. And then like after our date was like, oh, should I actually really like it? Damn. And then I remember he saw something experimental I did. And he was just like, oh, not your best work. Just like unbeknownst, like in a conversation. And I was like, that's weird. Because he's a visual artist. And I was just like, I would never tell you I didn't like your art. Yeah. Like there's the Maya Angelou quote, like when people tell you who they are, believe them. And there's been so many things where he was just like, yeah, you know, I just started kind of my mental health journey. And I've kind of been like, I used to be very toxic. And yeah, I see it. Used to be. Yeah. I don't know if it's past tense. I guess it's not used to be. Yeah. And the underhanded, like the stuff about your art. Yeah. Sounds pretty toxic to me. Yeah, that's that is toxic. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess there's a lot of things in me, I guess, that kind of allow that kind of thought process. Like I have noticed a thing because I've only been in like really two relationships, but each one kind of starts with there's a period where this person either stops talking to me or I stop talking to them. And then we get together. So then I was like, oh, no, I don't want that pattern to happen again. And that's what that kind of feels like. I want you to feel like you can accept love from someone who is really generous with their love. I agree. It took me a long time to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's hard 
Because if you're like me, your initial instinct is to like, oh, push that away. Like, no, you're loving me way too well. That's usually how I am. I'm usually do not let people like sleep over or any type of thing. And then it was like the one time I did it just kind of like, oh, damn, my life, my mind, a mess. Oh, man. Like if I had my druthers, Brady wouldn't have any contact with Jack or Jack's brother who feels dubious to me for whatever reason. I don't know why. Okay, I guess so. Yeah. But I know that that's easier said than done. Can I add one thing? Yeah. So where he lives, like, I want to move to. Mm. So that is another aspect of it where I was like, I do want to live here, like, regardless. So it would be nice to know somebody. But I guess I just would just meet better people. Well, that's interesting because you want to move there. It means you're kind of romanticizing the whole picture. Yeah. If you want to move, you should move. Yeah. But I also want you to feel safe and loved. Mm-hmm. I just don't think Jack is, to me, he feels like he's like a, what are those things that pave roads? Steamroller? A steamroller, yeah. Yeah. Steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just takes what he wants when he wants it. Yep. I do see that. That is a selfish love. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to make a person who is in a selfish mindset of love become generous I could see him continuing to reach out to you. Yeah. Probably when you least expect it. Yeah. It's always when I least expect it. It always happens where I'm just like, oh, I'm not even thinking about you. You're back? Right. What's happening? Right. Yeah. See, the thing is, like, how I felt back then where I was just like, oh, the reason why you feel like this is because we have not seen each other in whatever amount of time. But then what I'm scared about happening is if I were to go there and see him, he would immediately try and kind of like put his like bangs back in. Like I can see that happening. So I guess this is, yeah, like good advice. Let's say one scenario was you reach out to him like tomorrow. Yeah. And he doesn't get back to you for a week. But when he gets back to you, he's like, why don't you come visit me again? Yeah. Then you do. And you tell him like, I really want to move here. And he says something cruel like, I don't think you should move here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that world because he feels like he's playing. These are games. Yeah. Do you think, Minka? A hundred percent right on. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Yeah. I became like much more straightforward with my callers, Brady. I like it. <laughs> I like okay. it. I was in the pod all the time and I was like, damn, I don't, don't play. I just want you to know that I have your back. Yeah. I want you to protect your heart. A hundred percent. And I guess, yeah, I have kind of been creating this kind of narrative where I was just like, oh, like, we're going to have this other amazing time and like whatever. Because he was so nice. Like he would like drive me around the city and stuff. And I was just like, you're so nice. And then all of a sudden it's just like, like I remember there was this moment. I was at the museum and he was like, can I pick you up? I can pick you up from work. So then whatever, he picked me up. And then we were like driving and we passed this place. And he was like, oh, you should go there. Like, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, oh, I'll hang out with you. And then he was just like, um, I'm busy. I have like a date or whatever. <sighs> and I was just like, oh, okay. This is weird. No. I just thought that's what you were suggesting. But I was like, oh, did I misinterpret that situation? Or yeah. No. Okay, no. I don't know what his deal is. I'm a mess. <laughs> no, I don't think you're a mess, honey. I think you have a big Not at heart. All. Thank yeah. you. And that's a beautiful thing. And so you have to also protect it. Yeah. And know that when you have enough data about someone, when someone's already shown you enough times of how they take care of your heart, that you then have to take things into your own hands and know that this person's not safe for me. Yeah, exactly. He's just not safe for you. Damn. 
I have this feeling that you're probably going to still be in contact with him, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I probably will. You might, but a seed has been planted. Yeah, exactly. The seed has been planted. There's this thing my grandmother says all the time where she's like, if you don't see, if you don't hear, you must feel. And that's Mm. how I tend to live my life. But Brady, your strength, though, is that you are a romantic. Yeah. And you're caring and you're loving. Yeah. It just means that other people won't be able to catch up to you for a minute. Yeah. I guess I just really care about people, like, a lot. And when I make deep connections with people, I'm always, like, I want to, like, honor that connection. I'm very loyal. Like, I'm the person that will show up at, like, 2 in the morning if you need me. And I think because of that, it's, like, very hard for me when I feel a deep connection to somebody to kind of break that. So, yeah, it's just, like, about breaking that and figuring out how to learn how to do that without feeling bad. Well, taking care of yourself is priority and I had to unlearn a lot of really codependent behavior, which is worrying about how I might be taking care of myself might hurt someone else. And that's just not true. And you deserve to take care of yourself and maybe creating some protective boundaries around that big heart of yours. Yeah. It might make someone uncomfortable and that's sort of a byproduct of us having boundaries, but that's okay. Yeah. I think you have all the information you need, Brady. Mm Mm-hmm. And like Anna said, you might go back and it'll be okay if you do, but you're going back with more open eyes and you're going to notice things even more and you're going to go, oh shit, this is this and that is I can see now. And eventually you'll hit your threshold and you won't tolerate it anymore. 100%. Because truly like Minka and I understand loving hard and having that not feel reciprocated all the time. Yeah. I just want you to understand that I don't like him. Yes. We do not approve. (laughs) Uh, Hit the road, Jack. We have your back. Good. I want you to better love. Yeah. Brady, thank you so much for your letter. Thank you so much for having me. It was so nice meeting you. It was so nice meeting you, Minka. So nice meeting you, too. Thank you for sharing your stories with me. I feel so, like, seen. Good. Thank you, Brady. I didn't know what to expect, but thank you guys so much. I wish you all the love. Much love, Brady. Minka, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. I was really moved by your book, and I think it's an incredible act of courage. It was incredibly well-written, and I think it's really important. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne. 